This is the Trey Blocker Show, starring Charlie Hodge and Trey Blocker. And now, here's Trey Blocker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Trey Blocker Show. We are honored to have joining us by phone on the road somewhere in Texas, U.S. Senator Ted Cruz. Senator, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on the show. Trey, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. So I understand you're on your way to Kingwood, and I know you've already spent some time down in the hurricane-ravished areas of Texas. What have you seen so far, and what does recovery look like from your perspective? Well, our, our state has really been hammered hard by, by Hurricane Harvey. I mean, this has been devastating. In the last three, four weeks, I've been traveling up and down the Gulf Coast to, to all the communities uh, that, that, that were impacted. Uh, you know, when the storm made landfall, it, it, it was down further south. It was communities like Victoria and Rockport, Port Aransas and Aransas Pass and Refurio were just devastated. Um, enormous damage from the wind. And, and then the, the storm moved north to the city of Houston and just parked over right. Houston. Houston's my hometown. Right. And, and for four days, it just dumped rain, 51 inches of water on the city of Houston. We have flooding all over the place. I mean, it is massive at a scale I've never seen. And then it moved east and, and it hammered Beaumont and Port Arthur and Orange and Nederland, uh, again, with massive, massive flooding. And, and it's the geographic scope of it is 250 miles from Corpus all the way to Louisiana. And we saw in the time of the storm, we saw incredible heroes, first responders showing unbelievable bravery, saving right. people's lives, pulling people off roofs. And, and we saw ordinary, ordinary citizens, as I've called them, uh, rednecks and bass folks. <laughs> uh, just Texans saving Texans. Right. And, and that was truly inspiring to see. I think the face of Texas was shown to the country. Now, a few weeks after the storm, uh, we are well into the process of rebuilding. And, and it's that same spirit of unity and perseverance that got us through the storm. Uh, you know, just on Friday, I was back in Port Arthur and Rockport. It was in Meyerland. Uh, all three of those communities that they made real progress rebuilding, they pulled down the sheetrock, ripped up the floor, right. thrown out furniture that was ruined, and putting up new sheetrock, rebuilding. That's amazing. And, and that makes a real difference. Uh, this is a, a bad, bad disaster. It's going to take time to come out of it, but we're going to come out and we're going to be even stronger than, on the back end. Well, seeing what we've seen, it really does restore your faith in humanity to some degree, doesn't it? Absolutely. Let, let me, I'll give you another story. All right. So Friday in Rockport, I went to a, a parking lot where they were giving out free meals and, and a pastor from a church down in the Rio Grande Valley wanted to come help out. And so he figured, well, people will need some meals. So he went and bought several giant barbecues mm -hmm. and drove up to Rockport, set them up. And, and his church, his church members every, every morning would jump in their cars. They'd drive three hours to Rockport. They'd cook three meals a day. And then every night they'd drive back to their homes down in the valley. And they'd do it again. In the course of a couple of weeks, they served over 41,000 meals. Oh, wow. You know, that, that's who Texans are. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I have no doubt that we are going to rebound. It's certainly going to take some time. And I don't want people to, uh, you know, as soon as the cameras turn off, to forget what's going on down in the Houston area, Rockport, because they're going to need help in the months and years to come. Yeah. So we'll keep them in our prayers and send help all we can. Well, it's going to take a considerable amount of time. I can tell you it is front and center 
my focus. In fact, within my Senate office, I have reassigned a number of members of the staff full-time to nothing but, but Harvey relief to helping constituents deal with FEMA, deal, deal with government, move forward. And, and we're really working to expedite the relief. And, and I, I was encouraged a week ago that Congress passed a major relief package. When, when it came out of the House of Representatives, it, it had $7.5 billion in relief for Texas. Uh, John Cornyn and I together were able to double that relief, take it up over $15 billion. And, and that passed into law, and the president signed it into law. That was designed to be a, a down payment, an emergency infusion of cash for Texas. But, but it's going to take significantly more. Uh, many people are estimating this could be the costliest disaster in history. And I have been so gratified at the overwhelming bipartisan support for the state of Texas that we're seeing in Congress. And, and the Texas delegation is united in, in, in the Senate. John Cornyn and I are leading the efforts in the House. Democrats, Republicans, everyone's united and standing together to ensure that we get the relief that Texans need to rebuild. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Senator, I know we're short on time, so I want to hit a couple hot topics. Obamacare, it just won't die. <laughs> where, where are we now and where are we going? Well, look, I, I very much hope that we are able to get the votes to, to honor the promise that Republicans have been making for seven years to, to repeal the disaster that is Obamacare. I mean, we've seen now for seven years that Obamacare isn't working. It's collapsing. It's the biggest job killer in the country. I, I hear from small businesses all over Texas that's the biggest obstacle they face. Uh, it's caused premiums to skyrocket. Uh, and all of us watched a little over a month ago when at two in the morning we fell one vote short right. of getting the job done. Right. And, and, and that was heartbreaking. Uh, but, but I believe failure is not an option. We have to deliver on that promise. And so I've been spending night and day for the past nine months working to try to unify Republicans, to bring our conference together, to get at least 50 out of 52 Republicans to honor our promise to repeal Obamacare. And I'll tell you, Trey, the way to do that is to focus, I believe, on lowering premiums because the sure. biggest thing people hate about Obamacare, it's made their premiums skyrocket. So I hear from Texans all the time, I can't afford health insurance anymore. We got to fix that. And you fix that through more choices, more competition, through lifting the oppressive regulations of Obamacare that drove premiums through the sky to begin with. So when can we expect a vote? I think there's a good chance we'll see a vote this week. There's a new version of the repeal bill, the Graham-Cassidy bill, which has got some momentum. It's not clear if we'll get 50. And I think as soon as we believe we'll have 50, that's probably when you'll, you'll see it brought up for a vote. Right. But I'm spending every waking moment meeting with senators, meeting with conservatives and moderates and leadership and the administration and just trying to get everyone on the same page. Sure. Saying we've got to deliver on this fundamental promise. Well, all eyes are on the three Republican senators who voted against the last effort to repeal Obamacare in July. Yep. Those being Senators McCain, Susan Collins of Maine, and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. Any hope of moving them in the right direction? Uh, you know, I think there is. I, I have met multiple times with those senators and others trying to, trying to see, okay, what will it take to get you to yes? Different senators have different sets of concerns, and balancing them to try to get consensus on how you get to 50 is, is not an easy endeavor. Uh, 
but but I think we've made a lot of progress in that direction. I think we need to keep working at it till we get the job done. Sure, sure. Well, I know you're a lot better at math than I am, so I wish you the best of luck on that. Uh, and we certainly hope that this time is the charm. So on immigration, President Trump is rightfully phasing out Obama's unconstitutional deferred adjudication for illegal immigrants brought here as minors, also known as DACA. Yeah. What should Congress do in response? Well, let me say, first of all, I, I think the president was exactly right to rescind uh, Obama's executive amnesty, also called DACA, because when, when, uh, when Obama issued executive amnesty, it, it was contrary to law, contrary to the Constitution. Essentially, what Obama did was direct federal officials to ignore and defy federal immigration law. Uh, and so President Trump was exactly right to say he's not going to continue in place that illegal and unconstitutional action. Now, the president has, has asked Congress to legislate on the topic, and Congress has the authority to legislate on immigration. I don't know what will result from that. There are, there are different opinions. I will say there are a lot of Democrats and, 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 sadly, more than a few Republicans who are pressing hard to use this as an excuse for a massive amnesty bill. Right. And, and if we go down that road, I think that would be a serious mistake. But it, it's premature to say what Congress will, will end up doing. I think those debates will play out uh, in the next couple of months. So Senator Tom Cotton has a bill filed known as the RAISE Act that would cut legal immigration in half. Do you support this bill? You know, I think there are many positive aspects of that legislation. I have not studied it in detail. Uh, the, the part that I think is most beneficial about the RAISE Act is that it shifts the focus of immigration from chain migration of bringing in extended family members to merit and skills-based migration, which many, many other countries use, incentivizing people who have, who have studied, who have gotten math and science degrees, who, who are bringing a skill set that will generate jobs and economic growth. I, I think that's a positive and beneficial reform and, and should be a significant part of the ongoing debates about how to reform and improve our legal immigration system, while at the same time, we are using every tool we have to, to, to finally, finally, finally secure the border and stop illegal immigration. Right. So border security is still on the top of everyone's mind. Let me throw a novel idea out there and get your thoughts on it. Should the president place a complete moratorium on all legal immigration until border security has been achieved? Well, uh, the, the president doesn't have the authority to do that because the levels of legal immigration are, are set, set by Congress and set by statute. Um, I, I will say the American people are rightly frustrated out of their minds with a bunch of politicians who promise to secure the border and don't do so. And, and, and one of the most remarkable successes of the new administration has been that we've seen over a 60% drop in illegal immigration in the last nine months. Right. And, and that, it, it's interesting. I've spent a lot of time down at the border meeting with Border Patrol agents and, and, and asking the question, so why is that? Because that, was, that, that happened back in January. And I asked, I said, all right, why is that? You, we, we haven't yet built a wall. Mm -hmm. We haven't had time to hire substantially new Border Patrol agents. How did that come to pass? And, and the answer that they told me, they said, the only thing that's changed is that 
the coyotes and, and, and the traffickers now understand that there's a president and an administration that will enforce the law. Right. And that fact alone, two thirds of them aren't coming. And, and that's a remarkable testament. Hmm. We need to, to devote all the resources that are required to get the job done. But but a willingness to enforce the law is the first and most critical piece of that. Right. I couldn't agree more. Senator, I know I don't have you for much longer, so I only have two more questions for you. Actually, I've got a hundred, but I'm going to limit (laughs) it to two. There is a lot of demands on your time. You're traveling all over the state of Texas. You're engaged in these enormously important issues in Washington, D.C., yet you have a beautiful wife and two wonderful daughters. As As a man of faith, how do you balance work and family? You know, that, that's one of the hardest things to do. And, and the biggest price of, of serving in the Senate is, is all of the time that I spend away from Heidi and the girls. And, mm-hmm. and it's typically we live in Houston and that's and the girls go to school there. And typically every Monday morning I get on a plane and, and fly to Washington and I usually come back Thursday night. Uh, you know, right now tonight, Heidi is at Catherine's soccer game. Right. And, and I'm not able to be at the soccer game because I'm headed out to Kingwood to be with the Republican women. Right. And that's a hard, hard price to pay. Um, part of what we try to do is we carve out family time every week for just the four of us. Last night I took Heidi and the girls out to dinner and we hung out and relaxed but and we try to do that you know last week we 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 got with the hose in the backyard (laughs) and everyone put on their bathing suits and and Heidi and the girls would try to run across the backyard without me hitting them with a hose we all got soaked (laughs) and had a blast that's a good time good memories good memories you know I think the last time I actually saw you in person was at your house for a Christmas party, and you and I got in a very deep philosophical conversation about whether it's permissible to put a cube of ice in your scotch. So, Senator, <laughs> the most important question of the day, has your position on that issue changed? Uh, it, it, it has not. <laughs> okay. Uh, there are only two possible reasons to put ice in your scotch. The first is you're drinking really lousy scotch and you want to water it down. <laughs> And the second, which is even worse, is that you just have such a fragile system ah. that the force of a good scotch is too much for you, and you, and you need to make it more watery to, to, to be able to stomach it. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> I'm not a fan of drinking bad scotch, so, and I know you're not either. Senator Ted Cruz, I appreciate you joining us on the Trey Blocker Show, and I hope you'll join us again sometime when you have a little more time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Trey. God bless. Thank you, sir. God bless you. This has been the Trey Blocker Show. If you like what you heard, please visit TreyBlocker.com for more episodes and a chance to donate and support the show. Thank you for listening.